Uh, good morning, church. Hey, Donald, thank you. Uh, and that, that blessed me. Uh, I, I'm going to speak for everyone because I saw the response in here. That blessed the body of Christ this morning. So, so thank you. Um, and and I want to see. I want to see if I can get the same response you got. If the spirits in this place say hallelujah. Come on, Donald, get them going, man. If the Spirit's in this place, say hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, hallelujah. You know, one of the things that brought Jennifer and I to Crossroads about seven years ago um, was just the, the melting pot, uh, the diverse backgrounds that people come from, not just racially, but socially, and uh, even the denominations that everybody comes from, even represented here on stage. You've got uh, four different denominations represented from backgrounds that we grew up in. Uh, we, we were taught different things growing up. We walked different walks growing up, but it was all rooted in Jesus Christ. And that's what, that's what we are here this morning. There are a lot of different backgrounds here this morning that is rooted in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, we're going to talk about giving this morning. I know a lot of times that's an uncomfortable subject for the church to talk about giving. A lot of us have different ways that we were taught giving growing up. Some of us weren't taught at all. Uh, within the church, what giving looked like. Some of us were taught unhealthy or manipulative ways of giving. Some of us were taught very good models of giving. And we're going to have just a panel discussion of what that looked like um, and what that also looks like moving forward. Uh, I heard a story recently of this man who was told he had just a few days to live. Um, He was estranged from his children. He didn't want his children to get his money. So he told his wife, I want you to to go get all of our money out of the bank and put it in the attic. She said, well, why do you want it in the attic? He said, well, because when I die on my way up, I just want to grab it. (laughs) And so she did it. She went and got the money, put it in the attic. A couple days later, he passes away. She goes up in the attic and all the money's still there. And she said, I knew we should have put it in the basement. Some of you will get that on your way home today. The first church that I worked at, we had this children's offering that we would do in the middle of our service where when our kids were dismissed to go to class, they would come forward. Our children's pastor would be sitting right here with this tin can, and they would put an offering in that went to a specific mission that the children's ministry had set for them to give to a specific ministry. Now, it's this tin can, so you can imagine most of the kids would bring their change, and they'd slam it down as hard as they could and clang throughout the whole uh, auditorium. But there was this one kid one Sunday morning that his dad walks him up and he gets about five feet away from the can and you can tell he is really struggling with this decision to put his money in the can. And finally, his dad, his dad kind of pushes him forward. He comes up, he slams it down and he starts to walk out and he gets about halfway to the door and he runs back over, grabs his money out of the can and takes off out the side door outside. And for some of us, that's what giving is like. Uh, We cling to our money. We cling to our treasures. And when we do decide to let it go, it's this immediate regret of, am I going to miss out on something in life because I'm giving something to God? I'm giving something to God. I'm giving something to God that's already God's. And we run back and we grab it and we live in dissatisfaction. So like I said, we, have, we all have different perspectives on giving, and that's what we're going to start with is the first question that I want to ask these guys this morning, Jason, uh, is just what was your background like 
growing up? What, what were you taught in your home? What were you taught in your church about giving? Before I answer that, I'm going to say thank you again to Donald. And I said this in the first service that I didn't know they were doing that today. Otherwise, if I'd known we had to follow that, I probably would not have agreed to do this Sunday. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things about speaking at Crossroads is the encouragement that Donald brings because you can, if you listen, you can, well, you don't have to listen that closely. It's pretty loud. You can hear him say, well, whenever you say something that's, you know, really good and really profound. And if it's extra profound and it really moves Donald, you'll get the double well, well, well. Well, Todd Parks claims that in the almost, you know, 15 plus years of, of Crossroads, that he is the only person who's ever gotten the triple well from Donald. <laughs> if you know Todd, you may question whether that's true, but that's what he says. So my goal before I die is to get the triple well from Donald. And I didn't say this in the first service, but I don't want it out of pity. I don't want it out of sympathy. I've got to really earn it, Donald. So, all right. You know what? I don't mind if it's out of pity real quick, and I'm going to challenge y'all that I can get more wells. Come on, Donald. Give it to me. Let's go. All right. We chase rabbit trails sometimes. Sorry about that. Question was background. Uh, I learned, I, I had great parents who modeled generosity, who modeled giving for me. And so I saw that uh, carried out by them when I was growing up and, and learned how important that is as part of my faith. But I didn't receive a lot of teaching on the specifics of it. You know, how much are you supposed to give? What does that look like exactly? I, I saw them doing it, but I didn't know how much. I didn't know how. It wasn't something that we specifically talked about. So as I became a young adult, you know, I got some bad advice from someone who said, well, just, you know, you're starting out in life. Money's tight. Just give what you can. And that led to a season uh, that, was, that was not healthy where, you know, I'm given out of my leftovers, I'm given out of my own power rather than out of this trusting relationship that I have with God. And then a few years later, I got some equally bad advice that said, all right, don't give out of what you can. You've got to give a specific percentage at a specific time because then look what God's going to do for you. And so then it became this season of, okay, what's about me? What am I going to get out of this? And that it was kind of an Old Testament box-checking mentality. Neither one were healthy. Neither one were uh, good examples of the spiritual discipline of, of giving and tithing that we are called into as Christians. And as I, as I grew in my faith, as I got older, uh, I learned that it is about my heart. Where my heart is, there will my treasure be. And rather than this box checking or rather than giving out of my own power is this recognition that it comes out of this trusting relationship I have in a father who provides for me and that I am called to be generous and give generously in all things at all times because everything that I have is his anyway. And, and you know, have I always been great at that? No, sometimes you may slide back into, but it takes practice and it takes discipline, but it starts with that heart and that recognition that all is his. Darren? Um, my earliest recollection um, was it was modeled. I grew up in a Christian home, Christian family, um, very uh, involved in church, but for my earliest re remembrances and recollections, there was, uh, my parents had a love for the church. It's just a love. It didn't mean it was a perfect church. It didn't mean it was, a, but there was a love. And, the, and my recollection from my father and the modeling that was, it was a love for giving. It really was. Um, if you grew up in church a long time back, you used to get offering envelopes that were dated and they had the dates on, they had your offering number. To this day, I remember my dad's offering envelopes were number 71. 
It's just this crazy memory that I have in the back of my mind because he, he kept him on this box on, on his bedside on the bureau in his bedroom. And every Sunday he'd, he'd write a check or put cash into that envelope and he'd put it in his, in his pocket. And it wasn't out of duress or, or obligation that there was a joy and that he was giving to the, the work of the Lord and to the, to the kingdom of God. That it was the work that was being done and, and seeing people come to Christ. And that there was just an excitement. It's not like he, he ever really looked me in the face and said, I love doing this. But it was modeled and it was something that, that carried on. Uh, when I became a member of the church, in our church it was uh, when you were uh, 19, I think it was, um, where you could become kind of the full-fledged member in that. And when you became a member, you got your offering envelopes. And I remember that. It was something I looked forward to. I'd been giving through my teenage years, but it, at that point it was like it was official and it was, there was this, this uh, understanding that, that there's a, uh, a participation in the body of Christ and there was a real joy to it. Cody? Yeah, so uh, um, I was blessed also with just parents that uh, we, I grew up with that, give, that gave every Sunday, kind of the same thing with the envelopes. And I remember just seeing them put it into the, into the plate as it was passed by. Uh, I know we don't do that here, but um, they would always put it in. I remember just talking with my dad sometimes on the way home from church and just talking with him of what is this about, you know, why are we giving this? And, and, and him just sharing about it being all God's. And he believed that even he was self-employed like I am in construction. He would just talk about even his jobs. You know, he didn't have to worry about where it was going to come from because God was going to provide God was the provision, and we're just bringing it back to God because he's given it all to us, so we're bringing it back. And so it's just something I grew up kind of, uh, it's just a, you just something, you, you know what I mean? It's, it was almost something that was, you just did it. I mean, it was just what you did and everything. And and uh, have I done it perfect? No. It's been tough. It's been trying. And then God, I think, is also over the years trying to stretch me and my family of just giving even more than that, you know, in other places, other organizations, maybe after the tithe, or even just sitting in a restaurant and, uh, you know, you have 20 bucks in your pocket and you feel like this person two tables down, you're supposed to give them the $20 and it feels awkward to get up and go over to their table and say, here's 20 bucks, you know, but, and it's just being that it's all God's and I want to give and I want to have that heart for God to say it's yours. I, I want to just do what you want me to do with it. So, so um, I realized this in the first service. Um, I was the kid that uh, didn't have the, the parents that showed or modeled that. And so um, I had a mom that gave me a drug problem. Every, every time the doors were open, she drug me to church. <laughs> and so um, the, the modeling didn't happen for me when I was a kid. And so um, there wasn't much teaching in that in the church I was in. And um, when, when we did give money, it was more like an, out of an obligation or a, a duty that you had to do this. It was like an arm twist. It just felt awkward. And um, so that's not a good motive. Um, but it was trying to put, um, when, when I did give back in those days, it was like I was trying to put God in my, my debt. Like he owed me something for handing back his stuff. <laughs> Weird. And so um, about the year 2000, um, Alice and I, went through this uh, program called Financial Peace University, put through uh, Dave Ramsey, and um, it changed our perspective. So by the time we got out of school and got where we were going to be to work, we were over $500,000 in debt and didn't know what we were going to do from there. Just how, how do we do this? And so in that Financial Peace University, it taught us some, some biblical perspectives of what do you do first? 
and how do you do this and how do you how do you walk out of that debt and and by the grace of God we were allowed to get out of out from underneath that debt and that was that was a really cool thing but it, but during the process what I learned is God doesn't need my money he's after my heart and so um, the tithe, the tithe wasn't put in the place for God's benefit he was it was put in place for my benefit to, to where my perspective is on on that stuff if if the ownership matters it's all his and so if you want a verse to hang that off of it's in it's in psalms psalms 50 verses 10 and 11 uh, God owns it all he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills he owns everything that crawls on the earth and the birds in the air and he calls it mine it's almost like in big bold text letters like capital mine he's he's pretty pretty profound on that uh, Cody, start with you. What, what, what does our generosity say about our theology? How do, how do those relate? Um, well, I just think it, it goes along with, it's uh, kind of, well, if you want to impact people, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago even, it, the more you want to impact people, the more you need to be impacted by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think it's the same thing with generosity and giving is, the more that we trust, the more that we're impacted, the more that uh, we know the goodness of God, his faithfulness, his provision, the more that our generosity can grow. And so that, that shows our theology. That shows what we believe, the, the, I guess maybe the tangible thing of giving or whatever it might be, whatever principle. Right now we're talking about giving. So I believe that shows our theology and how we're trusting God and how we know that he's good and that he's going to take care of us and provide so motive matters and so out of second corinthians 9 7 it says each one of us must uh, must do just as he has proposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion uh, for god gives for for god loves a cheerful giver and so he's not after my begrudging obedience it's like oh man a little tin can little little kid over here just you know that's not it um it's literally like he's trying to take something into my hand that's going to uh, be an idol to me if I hang on to it too tight. And under this clenched fist, it's like, it's mine. And so if I, if I, if I operate like that, that's not a good deal. But if I operate with open hand, like going, hey, you gave it to me, where do you need it to go? That's, that's more of the, the posture I want to be in. And, and I've not always done that. I've, I've, I've been right here, guys. I've been right there like, i got to have this or, or bad things are happening. Um, but it works out a whole lot better when it's when it's open, and so Matthew uh, six twenty four um, is talking about uh, the spiritual warfare that's going on for each one of us. Um, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon, and so Mammon there is the is the is the god of money, is the is the spirit behind um, money. And so the condition of my heart shows in the actions that I take. It, it actions out what's inside of me, what I'll do with that. And so if, am I listening to the Holy Spirit and, and listening to what, like Cody said, hey, he told me to do this with that. Um, am, I, am I handing over what is already his to somebody else where he needs it? Or am I listening to the spirit of fear and the spirit of poverty and the spirit of prosperity? Which, which spirit am I going to listen to? Yeah, when we say theology, theos is, is God, it's our reflection of God in the same way that we have biology, um, sociology, the study of, and when we say our theology, it's a reflection of who God is and what we believe God is and what we believe about God. 
And I, I, what comes to mind, I didn't share this in first service, but you think of the Israelites when they were out in the desert and God provided manna for them. What was their tendency to do? Even though God said, I will provide for you each day, what did they do? They hoarded and they wanted to keep it for the next day. They wanted to store up enough for the next day and the next day and the next day. And so the reflection and their theology was God is not a God who is capable of meeting my needs the way he says he would meet my needs. Therefore, I need to take matters into my own hands. And it really comes down to a trust issue. Do we trust God? If we're talking about theology, who is God? We have to come to that grip. Says, do we trust him or don't we trust him? When he says, I will do this, I will care for you, you are more important than the, the birds of the air, the flowers in the field. Do we believe him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've mentioned tithing some, and you know, primarily we see tithing mentioned in the Old Testament. Um, so why do we believe that it's still relevant in today's times? So I'll, I'll start with you, Jason. Yeah, we have to look at it in that historical context, and, and what the Old Covenant, Old Testament shows us is, is a, a way to do this, a way to be disciplined about it. It's a teaching tool. It models it for us. Um, but in that context, I think we have to understand that you know, the Old Covenant was meant for a specific people at a specific time at a specific place in history, and, and a lo- a lo- tithing was part of the rules that were put in place for God's people to set them apart from other nations, to, to demonstrate how they are different, and specifically with respect to tithing, to um, teach them how to honor God in their finances. And, and keep in mind, that's not something they had any concept of at the time. It's not something that anybody had ever modeled for them or taught them before. So those types of rules served that purpose and were very important at that time. But the Old Covenant was a, a kind of a rule-based uh, methodology. If you do this, then you will receive this. And I think we have to recognize that um, if Christ's death and burial and resurrection was real, it changes everything. And everything is new under the New Covenant. Our relationship is new. Uh, how we are called into this spiritual discipline is new. And different, and and while we have that teaching and we have that model that's provided for us, what we have now, and, and, and think about it this way: instead of if this, then this, under the new covenant, it is done, it is finished because of Christ's work on the cross for us, and and Christ even teaches us now: hey, if you follow my commands and obey me, you may still suffer. You may st- not. You may. You will still have suffering. You will still have problems. Your circumstances may not change, but because of what I have done for you, and because that tomb is empty, there is hope. There is peace. There is joy, despite your earthly circumstances. And I, I think tithing flows from this. We now have this heart change that is new because of the work of Jesus, and and out of that, this recognition. And this understanding that that compulsory nature of tithing under the old covenant is replaced by this knowledge that we have a God who loves us, that died for us, that saved us, that all we have is his. And it is replaced by this, uh, this knowledge that we are to give generously in all things at all times. Dan mentioned 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, where it talks about this. It talks about being generous in all things and being cheerful. We are grateful and thankful for what he has done for us. From that comes a, comes a, a recognition that all we have is his, 
And so it's no longer a check the box and give this amount. Uh, if anything, it now is a enhanced requirement on us to give generously in all things with all that we have. Dan, I know we're going out of order, but I'm going to come to you next on this one. It's my turn? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're changing it up. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, the, the question was, hey, it's Old Testament. How's that work in New Testament now? So Old Testament, there's stories in there like uh, back in Genesis 14 and, and Hebrews 7 about Melchizedek um, where Abraham ended up getting some increase from, a, from badly fought and he, he gave 10% of it to Melchizedek. It's modeled in that. In Acts eleven twenty nine, it talks about Barnabas and Saul uh, giving giving the the fruit from that church to the to the missionaries in Judea, and so it's modeled to us in in the New Testament as well. But but tithing's meant uh, for our benefit uh, because sacrificing a portion of our income takes takes the the selfishness and the and the priority off of off of me. Um, and so it's, it's grown me in, in trusting his plan a whole lot better than I trust my own plan, if that makes sense. Um, it, it's allowed us to get out of a, a stupid amount of debt. Um, but out of, uh, out of Matthew 25, 14 through 30, um, it talks about the parable of the talents. So you got this one servant that gets five talents from the master. You got a servant that gets two talents from the master and a servant that gets one talent from the master. And so back in those days, a talent is about 32 years worth of wages. A bunch of money, okay? And so he gives the, five guy, the guy five, and he, and he comes back. He's gone a long time, and he comes back, and he, gets, he, he earns five more with that five. And, and, and the master says, great job. Good job, man. Uh, guy that has two talents, he earns two more. And, and, the, and the master says, hey, awesome job. Um, and, the, and the one talent guy hid his and stored it up, and he actually accused the master of being a hard man and, and, and reaping where he did not sow and accused him, hey, you earn stuff that other people work hard for. And, and in that, he just hit it and gave back what, it, what was given to him. And, and I want to be more on the, on the verse 23 and 25, or 21 and 23, where it says, well done. You, you used what I gave you. You heard me. You walked it out. Great job. Um, what I want to make a point about that is you are already dearly loved by the creator of the universe. You're not earning it because you're doing a good job with your finances. You're not losing that because you're doing a, a really poor job of your finances. Um, tithing is not a salvational issue. It is a, it is a heart issue of where, where my heart is pointing towards. It's a good measure of where I'm placing my trust. If I'm saving up three to six months of emergency fund and I'm depending on that to save me versus where the Lord's got me moving towards, I'm already in the wrong. I'm making, I'm making, I'm making money my protector and my, my salvation in, in times of hard times. Um, and that's out of order. So it's not a way to earn God's love. We've already got that. And in Matthew 23, 23, it's, it speaks about it's not legalism, guys. I'm a numbers nerd. I, I am, I'm like all way into like spreadsheets and stuff like that. Um, but what Matthew 23, 23 says, it's about the condition of my heart. It actually warns against being so technical that I forget to pay attention to the more important things like justice and mercy and faithfulness. And, and I want to reemphasize, I think I can speak, well, I know I can speak unanimously for all of us that uh, as a leadership, we don't believe that tithing is a salvation issue, but we do believe that when we are not 
um, giving our first fruits back to God. We're not bringing them back to God. We are living an incomplete picture of who God calls us to be. Um, we, we, are, we are not fully walking into what Jesus calls the abundant life in John 10, uh, that, that we are, are, are minimizing the extent of who God has empowered us to be and calls us to be as disciples of Christ. Uh, Cody, same question. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, I think just Old Testament, New Testament, um, I love the scripture says, God's word is living and active. And I think that's all of God's word, old and new. It's not just, hey, we can just, you know what I mean? So we got to be careful of that also. But I mean, Darren, I think a couple weeks ago talked about, uh, you know, when he he was sharing about um, the Old Testament talks about, you know, the Ten Commandments, do not murder. But then the New Testament expounds on that of, you know, don't even have hatred in your heart towards someone. Do not commit adultery in the Old Testament. But now it's don't even have lust in your heart. In other words, it's become this heart issue and God's wanting your heart. You know, it talks about tithing 10% and it gives that number. But now in the New Testament, I believe it's where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Is that right? Did I say that correctly? Or is it where you're treated? Yeah. And um, sometimes I get that one backwards. But um, <laughs> where your heart is there, you're treated. No. Um, and so, um, so anyways, I believe it, it just expounds the New Testament. It's just even growing under grace. God gave us everything. He gave us Jesus. He gave us his one and only son who died on the cross for us. Philippians 2.5 says we should be imitators of God. We, let's imitate God and give everything. He's given it all to us. So let's just, as Jonathan said, let's bring it back to him with open hands, not grudgingly, but let's just be even more under grace saying, it's all yours, God, and I just want to do with it what you want me to do. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Darren, I'm going to come to you first with, with this question. Um, I, I grew up in, in a church in a home that, that giving and tithing was very rarely ever talked about. My parents modeled it, but it was not discussed. Um, but when we, when we talk specifically about the local church, um, what, is, what does Scripture have to say about our responsibility to the, the local church in, in giving? Specifically, nothing. Um, you know, you, you're not going to find anywhere in Scripture specifically that says give to your local church. Uh, it doesn't. So when, when we talk about this, and I get asked this question a lot, where does your tithe go? Where does, what's the difference between tithes and offerings? And, and how does that play out? And, and I'd like to start by saying it as a rule of thumb, which is a conclusion or a premise set on experience and practice instead of specific theory. And so the rule of thumb that we go by is, is what do we do with our tithe and what do we do with our offerings and how is that delineated? What is the local church where it belongs or, or are you free to kind of go with that? I'd like to add to that that, that voting with your or, or um, supporting something because you agree with your funds or with your tithes and your offering is never a good deal. That's never something that is, you know, I think a lot of times um, that's kind of human nature. Oh, I liked what the pastor preached on, therefore, you know, add a zero. Or I didn't like what the pastor, um, uh, you know, 30 years of of pastoral ministry, I've seen it all. I've seen people giving to the youth group because they didn't agree with what the pastor was preaching about. Or giving to a different ministry because they didn't like the way that the elders or the, the board of deacons was operating. And they'd kind of just 
funnel um, offerings and, and tithes certain places because they didn't like what was going on. That's never a good deal. That's never a good idea. That's, that's not something that, that Scripture encourages. It's, a, it's a, a, a willingness to give selflessly to uh, the work of the church and the building up of the body of Christ. When it comes to church and the body of Christ and what we would consider a outside ministry or um, the, the old terminology was a parachurch organization or a parachurch ministry. Um, I think what so, they call now charities, uh, char- charitable organizations. Yeah, charitable organizations. I would even add to that a Christian organization. Or um, There's a difference. And this is where I land, once again, rule of thumb, is, is there is a difference. Um, uh, Ephesians 5.25 says, uh, Paul encourages, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Um, back to what I said earlier about my, my parents, a high value on the church. There's something about the church. It is the mechanism through which God has ordained to reach this world for him. Um, and there's a difference, and, 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 and here's, here's kind of the way I arrive at it, is, is um, with, with a, a, a church versus a, a, an outside ministry, um, you will find that a church can and will exist without an outside ministry, and yet an outside ministry does not exist without a church. People in and involved in and supporting outside ministries, their expression is of worship and corporate worship and, and spiritual growth is within a church setting. A, and once again, I'm not talking about four walls and a, and a roof. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the local body of believers, the kingdom of God at work in the local church. And so that's one, is one ex, is ex, existing without another, um, whereas the other doesn't exist without the other. The, the next um, kind of... Uh, uh, litmus test you put to it is the the motivation and mechanism and the 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 goal for each of those ministries whether it's a local church or an outside ministry is to build up the body of Christ to see people come to Christ and what so a, an outside organization their objective isn't that people would come to Christ and be built into their organization it's that they would come to Christ and do what be a part of the body of Christ the the church and so it's the building up of the church. And so once again, the focus is the local church. And the premise in scripture that I see is that, that um, the tithe um, is to the local church. And above that, as Cody talked about, those, those, those generosity offerings and that, which uh, it's not an either or. I don't believe it should be an either or. It's a both and. We're called to give of our tithes and our offerings. Um, so it's not, hey... One and the other suffers, but, but the ideal picture that, that Scripture paints for us and, and we're encouraged is that we would, yes, take care of the tithe, but also um, take care of the offering, too, that it would be above and beyond. We'd have generous hearts, generous spirits that we would give. But, but when it comes to that delineation, and uh, um, once again, not a hard, fast rule on theory, but one based on experience and, and, and practice, and how, how that plays out as a rule of thumb. Jason, same question. You remember the question? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, you know, As Darren said at the very beginning of, of what he just said, I don't see anything 
in the new covenant that says you got to bring X amount to however you're going to define your church. Um, quite the opposite. We've mentioned 2 Corinthians chapter 9 a couple times, but verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I, I don't see that specific requirement. However, for me and my family, you know, we have made the decision that we are going to bring first certain percent to Crossroads Church. Um, now, you know, part of part of this is in how you define the church, and it, it's not four walls, it's not a specific place, it's not a building. God's work is God's work, and and the church is much broader than what is going on here. And so I think that is part of the reason you see what we saw in Scripture in 2 Corinthians 9-7. And, and part of the reason you don't see that specific requirement for a specific place. But for us, you know, we've chosen to bring first certain percentage to Crossroads. Partly it's out of that tradition that's been modeled for us that we've been talking about. Uh, partly that helps me and us maintain that spiritual discipline that this is. Uh, it, it demonstrates commitment to a, a group and a, and a place that we've chosen to be a part of and we've chosen to spend our lives with. Um, and it also, uh, in, in the context of what Cody was talking about, of under the new covenant, everything being enhanced beyond what we saw under the old covenant, uh, it also, to me, gives me kind of a basis and a foundation. That's first, and I'm starting there. And then, okay, God, where else are you working and where else can I give generously and cheerfully above and beyond that? And, and let me add, we, we don't give to hope to meet a church budget. Um, we give out of our response to God. Church, churches don't hope to grow into being a generous church. That, man, if we just had this much money with our church, we could be a generous church. Churches, out of response to who God is, choose to be generous churches, and they grow out of that. And that's who we want to be here at Crossroads. That's who we've decided to be, is that we will be a church that generosity is modeled in what we do. Um, last question, I'm going to start with you, Dan. As mothers and fathers, as spiritual mothers and fathers in this room, how can we model this for our children? How can we write this on our children's hearts? All right, so um, first we have to uh, do it ourselves, right? You have to model it yourself. And in, in the process of learning that through that Financial Peace University training that we got, um, there was three categories. There was give, save, and spend. And so my, my kids have grown up with these three envelopes, uh, the give envelope, the save envelope, and the spend envelope. And it's, it's a practice and it's a muscle that gets built over time. And so they don't get allowances, they get commissions on the work that they do. So they do a job, they get paid. And so with that money, when we pay them, that's where it goes first. It goes to give first. And then it goes to save, save how much they want. They're saving up for a car, whatever they're doing. And then... The rest of it's to spend, however they see fit. And so in, in training that up, it's, it's, it's more of a, um, a process that we've ingrained into them um, because of that's, that's what we do also. Um, and then anything that we feel like the Lord's leading us to, to to pour into, man, that's something that Allison and I are in agreement of, and she has a giving problem, and I, I try to help um, <laughs> regulate that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear that from the Lord. What do you... Uh, but but in those in those times, I mean, she she stretches me um, as much as I stretch her on those situations too. And so, um, 
but also in, in that I don't want to put a burden on our congregation right here of saying um, if, if your finances are a wreck and you're spending more than you make, let's help that get under control. Let's, let's not give 10% and make that a hard, fast number and think that that's going to fix your problem. There's got, there's got to be some training behind that and, and some, some coming alongside of that, not out of, um, be, not out of um, an obligation of having to give that, that percentage. But if, if your finances are, are just not where they should be and you need some help with that, we want to be a fa- facilitate that help. Yeah. Cody? Um, yeah, I just think it's modeling. It's uh, talking with your kids. I think sometimes we try to stay really private with finances and stuff, and I think in some areas you maybe need to, but especially in giving, I think it's good to talk about, tell stories, tell where you've went wrong, where you've done it right, you know, and uh, we really encourage, we, we talk about 10%, you know, tithe, but in offerings we talk about try to just stop and pray and hear God because that teaches them even more just to hear the Holy Spirit and what is God saying because, I mean, real quick, my thing is sometimes I do all the, budget and take care of the checkbook and sometimes I can hear the checkbook more than I can hear God and then Leanne can pray at the same time and she's hearing something totally different because I'm hearing well this is what I have in my checking account so this is what I can give and she's hearing okay God yeah we'll give this and then I'll usually come back with a number and she's like no mine was higher than that and I was like (laughs) let me go back and pray one more time then and but when I do what's funny when I get rid of that that here's my limit and just what do you want to do God I usually come back with a number, and she's like, that's exactly what I had. And, and just talk with your kids with that, th- with that and, and encourage them to, to grow in being generous with their money, with their time, with whatever it is. Just model it. Yeah. Hey, thank you, guys. Can, give, give these guys a hand. You know, our, our generosity... Um, is one of the clearest indicators of where our theology is. It, it directly reflects what we believe and who we believe that God is. Um, you're going to hear about this topic over the, over the next couple of weeks, but two weeks ago we started this new series on idolatry. And for some of us, this is the idol that we worship. This is the idol in our hand, uh, the God of money, the God of the pursuit of money. And when that is our pursuit, when that is our idol, it is guaranteed that worry and fear will be your companions. That worry and fear will walk right alongside of you in your path of life. And as we talked about last week, when we choose this day, I will serve the Lord, that our companion becomes Jesus Christ. And that we fall into the walk that Jesus Christ calls us into. I I, I really want to emphasize, uh, you you heard the language up here of we bring our gifts to God. We bring our offering to God. We We don't give our offering to God. We bring it. It'd be like if I came to Barry and I said, Barry, can I use your lawnmower? And Barry gives me his lawnmower. I go home, I mow my yard, I wrap his lawnmower up, up in paper, I put a bow on it, and I come back and say, look, Barry, I'm, I'm giving you a lawnmower. No, I'm bringing his lawnmower back to him because he entrusted me with it. And God entrusts us. 
And just because God has placed something in your hands does not mean that he intends for it to stay there. We are called to pour into people, not just to store what God has given us. We are called to continually, as God pours into us, pour into other people. And when our cup is turned over and we're not allowing God to pour into us, it, it doesn't allow us to pour into others. Or when our cup is only turned to God and we selfishly are only allowing God to pour into us and we're not pouring into others, we are living an incomplete life from what Jesus calls the abundant life. You know, one of the things that I want to address too real quick is is I think some of us have been taught theology or sometimes uh, we have this mindset that it is bad to be rich. And that's not what scripture says. But as a church, we've done a poor job of discipling and teaching people how to be rich. And so out of manipulation or out of fear of approaching certain topics, we haven't taught on how to be wealthy and how to be givers and how to be bringers of what God has entrusted us with. And that's what I want to invite you into today is into bringing what God has given you. I think one of the clearest indicators of what God has to say about this Are we created to be generous people? Lands in Genesis chapter one. And in Genesis 1, 27, it says this. It says, God created man and woman in his image. And if we are created in the image of God, and if we truly believe that God is who he says he is, in goodness, in generosity, in grace, in love, then we can't help but model that in the way that we live. And if God is a generous God, then it is ingrained in the fabric of who we are that we will be a generous people as well. Not generous individuals. We will be a generous people as the body of Christ in our city and in our workplaces and in our homes and everywhere we go. Why? Because we can't help but model who God is in our life because it's who we're created to be. So I'm gonna ask that you stand. I'm gonna invite our altar team forward. If there's anything we can pray with you about it, if if you're wondering what, what, what is this that God is laying on my heart, don't walk in isolation with that. Walk in community of the body of Christ, of the the bride of Christ. As Darren mentioned, Ephesians 5, that talks about Christ gave himself up for the body of Christ, his bride that he calls his own. So God, I, I pray this morning that we will let go of the idols in our hands, And for some of us, that is the idol of money. We will let it go today. Just as your word says that we will test you in this, 
as you call the prophet Malachi into, test me and see what I will do. And we want to step out in faith in that because we trust who you are. We trust that you are who you say you are. And we step out and we let go. We want to fall into the way, the truth, the life, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And the church said, amen.